0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today, as Pastor Sean mentioned, comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. And he was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And they made his grave with the wicked." And with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Here ends our text. You may be seated. I think I'll start out by asking you if you have a Bible on you or the Bible, the pew Bibles in front of you or even on your cell phone, if that's not too distracting, I would encourage you to open up to Isaiah chapter 53. A couple points in the sermon, I think that'll be helpful to have that in front of you. So if that's something you'd like to do, I'd invite you to do that at this time. But while you're doing that, I thought I would ask you if you've been on track with your exercises this week. Have you been watching your health this week? We've had a beautiful week. Have you been watching your health? Now for those of you who weren't here last Sunday or may have no idea why I'm starting out my sermon that way, Pastor Sean started off his message last week by giving us a little survey to fill out, a little quiz in our worship folder where we were to rank our physical health on how we thought we were doing And it started from poor to fair to to average all the way to excellent. And I thought it was a good reminder. It was a good reminder that we as Christians, as our bodies are really God's temple, that we're to keep in mind our physical health. But also there was another aspect to that as we continued where we talked about our spiritual health. And we talked about something called soul sickness, something that is terminal, and there is no, there is no um, cure apart from Christ. So last week, we continued our sermon series on the agony and the ecstasy of Christ, both looking at Christ's sufferings and his death, but also his resurrection and the forgiveness that he won for us. So today, we're going to continue just a few verses later, verses 7 to 9, from Isaiah chapter 53. And we move today from not only the afflictions, the sufferings that Christ went through on earth, but also to his death itself. And here we have in great detail Isaiah prophesying the coming Messiah who would be cut off, who would be killed, who would be cut off out of the land of the living. You see, this coming Messiah would not only be mistreated terribly on this earth, But he would also die a death, a wicked death for us. And Isaiah says, and they made his grave with the wicked. But before we go there, I want to back up just one verse to verse 6 from Isaiah chapter 53, where Isaiah describes God's people, you and me really, as sheep. Now the Bible describes God's people as sheep many times, and not always, but most of those times it's, not really too good. And I'm sorry to say that today we're kind of in the same boat. Isaiah describes us as sheep who all have wandered off, who all have went astray. Verse six reads, "All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all have gone astray." Like sheep are so prone to do, we've all went off in our own direction in our sin. Whether it's in our lives where we listen to to other people or the world, what the world tells us rather than God's word, or whether it's we value stuff, our things, more than our relationship to our Lord, we all have gone astray. And Isaiah prophesies that, All of our sin would be laid on the coming Messiah. But what's really interesting is he moves from verse 6 to verse 7. Well, that's not interesting, but what's interesting about that is that he moves from talking about us as sheep who have gone astray to talking about the Savior as a lamb or a young sheep who didn't open his mouth and this is a major textual switch that Isaiah gives us. And as I was kind of gathering ideas, reading over the text to kind of think about what to talk about today, what really struck me is this contrast that Isaiah sets up in verse 7 where we have on one hand the Messiah who would be oppressed, who would be afflicted, but didn't open his mouth, who would be led to the slaughter. But like a sheep before his shearers is silent, he didn't open his mouth. We have this contrast, the abuse and the suffering that Christ would go through, but yet his silence, his refusal to defend himself, and how he didn't open his mouth. And as I kind of fill in in my mind, and I'm sure you do as you read and hear this text, maybe fill in in details from the passion narrative that we're going to hear more about in the weeks to come leading up to Good Friday, all the abuse, all the injustice that Christ suffered at the hands of other people, but yet he didn't respond. He didn't react to everything that he suffered. So really, it kind of made me think. How do I react when other people hurt me? How do I respond when people treat me terribly? Now I would like to say that as a Christian standing up here before you that who is called to show others how beautiful it is, right, to live with Jesus, that all the time or most of the time that I can respond in love to people, even those Who hurt me. But you know as well as I do, that is one of the hardest things, I think, as Christians. To respond in love, or at least not to engage in the hurt, that's a tough thing to do. So I think today, as we hear this contrast between how Christ was treated, but how he chose not to respond, I think it can give us all a chance to reflect. And think about how do we respond even when other people hurt us. Do we fight back when people are rude to us? Do we try to just get the last word in? Try to make the other person look like a fool rather than ourselves? Or when somebody says something just plain rude, do we try to be even more rude and and come up with a good comeback? I think many times that's what we're at least tempted to do. But if we go back to Christ, and we think about all the afflictions, all the hurt that he suffered, he was 100% innocent. Every charge that was brought against him was false. There was no reason that he should have been treated the way that he was treated. But with ourselves, I think many times when we are in conflict with other people, I think most of the time, not always, we can still look back and think, yeah, maybe I had a little guilt in that situation. Now, I'm certainly not discounting people that you've experienced in your life, and I have as well, who hurt us, who do things to us without any just cause. But I think most of the time, if we really honestly reflect and look back at conflicts we've had with other people, even with other Christians, I think we can all look back and say, yeah, maybe I've had at least a little guilt. Maybe I didn't help that situation by how I reacted. Yeah, maybe if I wouldn't have started gossiping to other people, yeah, I suppose that person wouldn't have been as rude or mean to me. Maybe if I wouldn't have posted that on social media, yeah, I suppose I wouldn't have gotten that response. Or if I was able to at least just close my mouth when I was being insulted, yeah, I suppose that situation wouldn't have escalated as quickly as it did. But with Christ, what a difference, right? What a contrast to the way that we are so taught, really, in society and how we react to those who harm us. For with Christ, like I said, and you know full well, with Christ there was no guilt. There was no foundation to the charges and the horrible treatment that was given him. When Pontius Pilate asked him, if you are the king of the Jews, Jesus simply replied, you've said so. And the elders and the chief priests hurled insults at him, but he didn't open his mouth. And they were astonished at his lack of, Response. And I think what is more amazing than other than the fact that Jesus simply didn't respond is that he didn't respond knowing full well what was coming next. He knew that if he didn't give a defense of himself, if he didn't show the people who he was, he knew what he would be facing very soon. He knew that he would be going to the cross, that he would suffer and he would die for your sins and for my sins. And Isaiah continues, And he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. By not responding, by not opening his mouth, Christ took upon the punishment that was justly ours. And what's amazing as you read through the passion narrative, depending on which gospel you read through, How many chances, right, did Christ have to give a response? How many opportunities did he have where he could have in a second shown the people who he was as the Son of God and stopped all the torture, all the affliction that he was experiencing? But he didn't. When he was on the cross and the crowds were mocking him saying, if you are the Son of God, come down. Show us who you are. He could have done that in an instant and stopped all the torture that he was going through, but he didn't. And because he didn't, he died a death that is reserved for a wicked person. You see, the cross back in the Roman days were reserved for people. They were reserved for the worst criminals imaginable. And Christ died next to two of them. And he died a wicked death. As Isaiah says, and they made his grave with the wicked Although although there was no deceit in his mouth, although he committed no violence, he died a wicked death. And this, my friends, is the agony that we focus on anew this Lenten season as we look at and learn more about what Christ went through for you and for me. And we know that because Christ was cut off, right? He was cut off from the land of the living, but he was also cut off from his father. He was cursed on that cross. And he did that so we, you and I, would never be cut off from our God. He became a curse for us. He took on the wicked death that we deserved so that we would never be cut off from God. So no matter what life throws at us, no matter in sickness, in pain, in depression, in the hardest times in life, we know that we have a God who will never cut us off, who loves us too much to abandon us or forsake us. That's our hope, right? That's why we gather every Sunday to hear this good news, the greatest news that this world has ever heard And to rejoice in this hope that actually is, really, not only just a hope. It's not a, I hope if I'm good enough, God won't abandon me. No, it's an assurance that Christ took on our sin, defeated death, and that he will never abandon or forsake us. So how's your health? Is it good? Thank God. Praise God for the wonderful health you're in. Is it not so good? Take heart. For you have a God who will never abandon you or forsake you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.